Elizabeth, I want to tell you about a really good way to make money that I found. So a long time ago, I, now I just found this out. A long time ago in America, there was actually another country. A lot of people don't know this. It was mostly the southern part of the regular country. For some reason, for a little while, it was a different country. And then, I, listen, I, I don't really care what how. I'm not like in too much interested in the history of it as to what that history produced, right? So during that time that these states were part of a different country called the Confederacy, uh, they started printing their own money, right? Mm-hmm. Called Confederate money. Well, mm-hmm. they called it something different, but it's kind of colloquially known as Confederate money. Greenbacks. Now, greenbacks, exactly. So what I've been doing is I've been buying a bunch of Confederate money. In fact, spending almost all of my regular, quote, um, American money, union money is what they actually <laughs> used to call it, on Confederate money. So that's mostly what I have mm. uh, now. Okay. It is technically fiat, which to me, I think just means something that's made out of paper. Mm. It is a fiat type currency. And so I have this. If there's ever, if they, because if uh, this is the other part of this. This is the real key part. All the people who made that money before they went away for whatever reason, they were like, we're going to do this again. They were, in fact, they kept saying that we're actually going to rise again and make this country again. And so if they do that and I have all of their money, I'll literally be president of their central bank. All right, Liz has informed me that there's some logistical problems um, maybe with that idea in that people might get mad at me if I do that. But I promise I'll take a lot of workshops and I'll make it a really a, a good uh, central bank, equal opportunity lender. Oh my God. Hello, everyone. Hello. I'm Liz. My name is, check this one out. I came oh, up with no. a new one. Colin Goyles. Wait, I don't you get don't it. You don't like that one? Colin Girls. Oh, I see. Colin Goyles. Yeah. That's kind of cute. Of that one. I thought of that one in Warren Iraq. That one's stupid. That one's good, I think. No. Uh, my name is Paul Smolker. Uh, <laughs> I am the... <laughs> <laughs> you love that one. I love Paul Smolker. They could have ended the recession if some if someone had just said that to him. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the podcast, we, of course, we are joined by Hyung Chomsky, the statistics chief for the country of Turkey, the Republic of Turkey, excuse me, in producing this podcast as a sideline because his lira is worth no more. <laughs> and, uh, we are called Truanon and we're taking you a little rocket ship to planet money. Yeah. Hello everyone. We haven't talked about money in a while. Funny money. Mm-mm. So... We're doing it now, and we're doing it for a reason, because the Fed, your favorite institution, the, mm-hmm. the federal bank, is back in back in the news. Yes. Uh, you mean the private institution, the federal bank? <laughs> that basically, I mean. Unelected? Is, it is unelected. It, uh, yes. I'm just, I mean, these are all true. 
Uh, why is it back in the news other than uh, I've only been reading uh, ronpaul.com? <laughs> it's back in the news because uh, Jay Powell, Jay Powell with three mm-hmm. W's, as he is so affectionately called, um, came out last week and announced that he would be, that the Federal Bank was going to, the Federal Reserve was going to raise interest rates uh-huh. um, because everyone's been freaking out about dang inflation. Okay. So say there's a guy who spent most of his life, um, well, frankly, he can't think of it, what he's done for most of his life now. It's kind of having an existential crisis. Say that he didn't pay attention enough to understand what any of that means. Uh, why, why would they be raising interest rates? So they're raising interest rates because the economy has been running a little hot uh-huh. Um, this was in response to the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, which is the report released every month that mm-hmm. tracks kind of price pressures and increases in price, aka that's how we measure inflation, right? Yes. And it's it's year over year. So this latest CPI print in January, which reflects December, hit seven percent, which is the highest in the highest in nearly four decades, but also it was like a 0.5% increase over the previous month and like way, way higher than even some of the more kind of, um, let's say, cynical analysts were anticipating. So people kind of like totally freaked out. Um, and in response, the Fed came out and said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We're taking this seriously. We're going to raise interest rates. So what you're saying now is that my money is worth less than it was a year ago and even less than it was like a month ago. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Fed says they're going to try to fix this. Yeah. So let's like rewind a little bit. Um, The Fed basically, the Fed is the central bank of the US, right? Mm -hmm. That means that they are the lender of last resort. So they promise to provide funds to the money supply if commercial banks can't cover, right? Yeah. Okay, that's kind of their role. Like if banks fail, they're back for the central bank. They're kind of like monopolist of the money supply. So the main goal of the central bank is basically to provide stability to the country's currency by controlling inflation. Mm-hmm. And so they basically do that by enacting policies, you know, kind of like, based on or in between two competing theories about the best way to attack inflation. So, for example, if the central bank wants to increase the amount of money in circulation and decrease the cost of borrowing, which the cost of borrowing would be expressed as the interest rate, right? Uh They can buy government bonds or bills. And that kind of increases the amount in circulation, naturally decreases the amount that it costs to borrow because there's more money in circulation. More money means that it's cheaper to borrow because there's so much of it, right? Mm -hmm. So that's like, in the case of the, now you've heard of the quantitative easing, right? Yes. That term. Mm -hmm. That's basically what the Fed was doing. There's the kind of like meme that, you know, the money printer go burr. So they're like, you know that meme, right? Yeah. It's, uh, I got to say, I'll be real with you, a meme generally deployed by very annoying people. Yeah. 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 Well, that's not really what happens. I mean, to get like a little pedantic, but only because it's like important to kind of understand, I think. Yeah. Um, It doesn't mean that like the Fed just like prints money and like it then just is like, woo, 
<laughs> like, and, you know, kind of like everyone's just swimming in like, you know, dollar bill money yeah. pits. Like that's not actually what happens. What they do is like QE means this like large scale purchase of financial assets or bonds or stocks, like by the central bank. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so there's basically a simple transaction that happens where the Fed buys securities, like in the uh, case of during the financial crisis, mortgage-backed securities, and that triggers an increase in the amount of money circulating, which then brings interest rates down, aka the cost of borrowing. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So the idea is that, you know, if there's a ton of money circulating, it's not expensive to borrow because there's cheap interest rates, the money's got to go somewhere. And so in theory, it should go into productive investment. Like, oh, now we're going to start, I'm a company and I'm going to invest in new machines that make my widgets or whatever. Okay. I can already tell this does not happen. (laughs) I know. Whenever you hear like a an economic analyst or textbook bring out widgets you're in for it's bad turn the page it's so weird it's so weird that like we were talking about this yesterday is that it seems like whenever people like say like this is like the general laws of how the economy should work or like it will work or whatever when people talk about this kind of stuff it seems like they have the absolute most insane way of looking at people who own money where they think that every single thing Mm. they do is part of this like rational giant um, scheme to kind of improve things for everybody. Right. Right. And so like, instead of like, like they're, they're buying new equipment, paying their workers more, all this kind of improving their productive capacity, which is funny because it's like how many American companies have productive capacity. Well, that's a big, that's a big fucking problem. Yeah. yeah, Exactly. Uh, And, uh, and not just like uh, uh, paying their, uh, shareholders or the, themselves. <laughs> well, that's really, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's pretty much what happened over the past, I mean, two years now. It's so crazy. It's been two years of this, the two year bull market. Hysteria. Not for me. Bitch, I've been in a time loop. <laughs> <laughs> this is, only- <laughs> I'm in, Fe- I'm in February, 2020 still. <laughs> You've been you've you've been you've been doing this. You've been wearing master restaurant. I've just been living the same day over and over, doing different things every time. Oh man, Groundhog Day, baby. Uh huh. It's been three thousand years for me. Okay, so I want to actually break this down because you're right that mm-hmm. in the real world that's not what happens. No, at the widget factory. <laughs> <laughs> Which doesn't even exist anymore, right? Because we've offshored widgets. My grandfather made widget for this com- <laughs> for this country for two hundred years. <laughs> okay, so this is how the process of QE, which is uh-huh. a really you know, this is a huge component about what the of what the Fed's done over the past two years, and also what's happening now and the changes of the Fed yeah. potentially. Okay, so this is how the QE process actually goes. Okay, step one: mm-hmm. the Fed buys assets. So the Fed creates money out of thin air by creating bank reserves on its balance sheet, okay? Bank reserves are basically like a special type of money that only commercial banks and uh, like specific financial entities can hold. And that includes the U.S. government. Yeah, 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 yeah. So bank reserves are kind of like a, they're like an S-tier money. 
What? Yeah. Those bank reserves are then used to purchase long-term treasuries in the market from uh-huh. financial institutions. Those are also known as primary dealers. Okay. So the bank reserves are created out of thin air. That's kind of the money printer meme. If it's going to be correct, that's where it's going to be correct. Yeah. yeah but yeah, it's still yeah. not correct. And those are then used to purchase treasuries in the market. It's so funny that there's something called treasuries. <laughs> no. Like people talk about treasure. <laughs> <laughs> so then <laughs> step two. New money then goes into the economy. The result Uh of those transactions is that those primary dealers, the financial institutions, they now have straight up cash in their accounts after selling the treasuries from the bank to the bank reserves, right? You got that? Mm -hmm. They can either now, they have cash in their accounts, they can hold the cash, Mm -hmm. they can lend it out, or they can three or C, depending on how you were counting those, uh, use them to buy other assets. Yes, So step three is that overall liquidity in the financial system then increases. Meaning there's more money. Yes, there's more money. There's sloshy, sloshy, frothy fund money now. And with more liquidity in the market, there's more money moving around. Now it has to go somewhere, right? So the idea is that now that money gets lent out. The idea is that, uh, you know, it gets lent out. That there's, you know, there's no possible way to, for a credit crunch to happen. No freezing up. Remember how that happened during the Great Recession? There was like a yeah. crunch, freeze on lending. Yeah. And that is in part what doomed uh, laymen. This is this the whole point of this is to increase liquidity, get money flowing, and uh, get credit moving. So one of the big things that's like we're like saying is 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 a effect of this is usury. Yeah, basically, yeah. Interesting. Okay. But the idea on okay, good that you bring that up because as a result of there being more money, step 4, interest rates naturally naturally fall. Okay? So the Fed is buying up billions and billions of treasury bonds, and so uh-huh. the price of bonds goes up because the Fed is demanding more, so the price rises. And so the yields of those bonds go like the yields go down. The- so how much they pay out actually goes down. Yes. And so lower interest rates mean that it's then cheaper to borrow money, which theoretically encourages businesses, consumers, et cetera, to take out loans, jumpstart more productive economic activity that generates more investment, more growth, more, more, et cetera. That's the idea, right? Mm-hmm. And so from that, investors then start to change allocations. So since there's lower returns, aka lower interest rates, right? Investors then move their investments into things that will get them higher returns, aka the stock market. Dog going. Yes. The stock market rises as people are chasing higher and higher returns because interest rates are too low for them to get returns there. Does that make sense? So, all right. So they're not getting higher interest or they're not getting higher returns in one area. So they move all their money to another or they move a bunch of money to another area in order to chase more money. Yes. And the the mere fact of people chasing money fuels more people chasing money, which mm-hmm. is what we've seen over the past two years of the stock market rising. Right? Yeah. No, you saw you saw a revolt against the big banks. Actually, what is <laughs> oh what you God. did and the and all of the uh, big investment firms. God, remember those fucking all those people with that take. By the way, we didn't have that take. No, we didn't. My take no. nine hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so when all of this starts happening and this whole thing gets in motion, 
the economic confidence grows, right? Step six, everyone is happy because it's cheap to borrow money. Stock market's going up, you know, happy days are here again, blah, blah, blah. More investment means more hiring, more money in workers' pockets, more economic activity, happy Mr. More market. More usury, yeah, up, yeah. Up, 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 forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, right? Except that's like not really exactly what <laughs> what happens um like you said that um you know there's this idea that oh it's just all going to go into productive you know it's going to increase productive capacity it's going to increase productive capacity but what we saw over the past two years and what we see in the real world every time this kind of happens is you see an increase in corporate stock buybacks Mm -hmm. like we said they're chasing returns in the market and they're like well why would we invest in First of all, we don't even make iPhones in the U.S., so we're not going to invest in doing that. Why don't we just invest in raising our stock price higher by buying back more stocks in the case of Apple? Or, um, you know, in the case of uh, households, you see a lot of people just holding on to savings rather than spending sometimes. And so the Mm -hmm. idea that this would, that increasing, uh, you know, QE would suddenly, um, you know, result in either productive economic activity or in the case of like a bunch of like the gold buggy people criticizing this policy, a sudden jump in inflation is not exactly right. Yeah. Okay, flash forward, Wednesday, January 12th. Consumer price index printed 7%, largest 12-month gain since 1982. Mm -hmm. Um, The Fed freaks out. Everyone freaks out. I don't know if the Fed freaked out, but maybe they want to give the appearance that they freaked out. She said the Fred freaked out. You I that. know. <laughs> no, you can't take that over again. I'm not. I'm not. You know what? I said it. I stand by it. Mia, uh-huh. mea culpa, uh, There we go. And, and you can't. Now she's trying to do the baby thing to charm me. All right. So the highest rate of in, raise in inflation. Uh-huh. Nearly four decades. The Fed comes out. It announces it's going to begin raising interest rates to cool down the economy beginning March 2022. We'll probably continue to see inflation uh, rising. Like it'll continue to rise probably over the next couple of months, I would assume, into mid March, mm-hmm. um, which will probably freak people out even more. But it has been a total shift in posture from the Fed, right? They, in March 2020, in response to uh, the huge market dip, they announced they're cutting interest rates to zero. In June of that year, they launched QE up again. They're trying to just get money going, money moving, and now they're like, oh, too much money moving, too much stuff going crazy. We're like doing a whole switcheroo. Now we're going to cool down the economy. We're going to stop the economy, basically. Um, And it's a bit of an odd change in posture, but people are really freaking out about it. Before we intro our guest for today, our esteemed mm-hmm. guest for today, to talk about the Fed and inflation and all of this stuff, I, the one thing I want to say, though, is um, remember we did those episodes on the supply chain crisis? Yes. And all the kind of the way stuff was moving and it getting all crunched up and whatever. I mean, 
basically like a lot of the rise in, in a lot of people basically say that inflation is rising because of QE, uh-huh. because of what the Fed has done, because of the Fed making interest rates so low, because of that wages rising, because of, you know, um, you know, there being lower unemployment, that all of mm-hmm. this is causing a, you know, price pressure, right? But like, a huge part of that is that, yes, people had more money in their pocket, um, you know, during the pandemic after with the fiscal stimulus and a mm-hmm. bunch of the freezes happening. Right. But there was so lit, like there were so many supply crunches that they just couldn't buy. There wasn't enough stuff for the American consumer to go out and buy. Right. Yeah. Like people wanted to buy cars. Well, there are not enough cars because of the semiconductor shortage. So rather than being able to produce more cars, they raise prices on cars. Cars go up. I mean, this happened with dishwashers, with fridges, with anything with a microchip. And that's just in one industry. That's not even talking about, you know, uh, other commodities prices. And so a lot of the the price pressure in commodities, you could see resolving. this used to be the, the posture from the Fed last year, mm-hmm. kind of naturally as these supply kinks work themselves out. And so it's really interesting to see this complete 180 um, like from the central bank, especially when I think a lot of people since Biden, you know, since the election had this idea that kind of there was this like kind of progressive push from but they saw they're like oh the central bank is kind of taking these like policies from the progressive like post keynesian wing pretty seriously and oh like maybe we'll get some big massive fiscal stimulus from the biden administration and it's you know they're actually taking progressive stuff seriously or whatever whatever and it seems like that's not the case at all from either Mm -hmm. institution which shouldn't really surprise anyone in my opinion so we basically did a version of swatting with the IRS to get Alex Gags on the show. She has been very busy being a new mother and all, but we have her here with us today in the vault. And, uh, well, let's um, open up that damn billfold and take out the interview. Clang, clang, clang. The vault opens. Liz and I step inside, expecting to find uh, the savings of the United States of America. Unfortunately, we only find $10 trillion, which is worth nothing. However, we do find Alexander, Alex Skaggs. I don't know why I was about to call you Alexander. I never call you Alexander. <laughs> Alex Skaggs jumping Scrooge McDuck style. Throughout the stacks of greenbacks, screaming to herself, it's all worthless. It's all worth nothing. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Planet Money. Hi, Alex. Hi. How are you guys doing? Good. It's so nice to see you again. Good to see you, too. Also, congrats on the baby. Thank you. You guys might hear her a little bit in the background. Hopefully, she won't be... Screaming. Fantastic. <laughs> so, okay, we have you back on. It's been a minute, and a lot has happened since you've been on the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't remember the last time you were on, but basically, we could do a little recapulate a little bit. We had this thing called the pandemic, which debated 
debatably is still debatably is still going on, although I think everyone kind of agrees it's pretty much over. You get from that, or like right at the beginning, we 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 had you on right at that be- at the beginning when you get this big crash in the market, which you know has sort of like retro been attributed to lockdowns, but is revisionism, which actually we talked about when you were on the show. Um, but there's this huge like sharp decline that occurs. And it's really the steepest in the U.S., but you see it across the world. And in response from the Fed and from the White House at the time, the Trump White House, you get this kind of unprecedented wave of stimulation. You get fiscal, you get monetary. And the reaction to this crash is basically the most insane bull market in American history, or at least it feels like. I mean, I don't know if that's actually true. Don't look it up. But the last two years have been complete and total insanity in the markets. And it's like just basically everyone's returns were like a straight rally lineup. And housing prices are through the roof. People are retiring early. Wages are rising, although they're still not in line with price rises, which I think we're going to talk about. But so then on top of that, you get these kind of twin demand and supply crises, again, that we talked about, and those are still trying to get unwound. And one of the biggest effects of basically this entire two-year kind of jumble has been a sharp increase in inflation, the largest in 40 years. The CPI printed at 7%. Everyone freaked out. And if you're saying the largest in 40 years, you're basically comparing it to 1982, which in terms of comparisons is like not a good comparison. You don't want to be comparing anything to 1982, basically. Um, Okay, so that's a recap on where we're at. The Fed uh, had their big, had their little show last week. Jay Powell came out, Jay Powell, and he announced that the Fed would be raising interest rates. So quick question, Hotshot Alex. One, what is interest rates? And two, why is the Fed raising them? (laughs) (laughs) What is an interest rate? Uh, I mean, what is money anyway? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because like covering treasuries for long enough, you start getting there and it's sort of like, oh, wow, I don't know that I like smoked enough pot in college dorms <laughs> to really have that, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, fully done. Um, no, I mean, interest, basically the Fed controls um, short term interest rates, which is like the night, the, the night, the cost of overnight borrowing. So like mm-hmm. if you're a bank and you're going to borrow from another bank, which they like don't really do anymore, but they used to, um, then the fed sort of sets how much that is. And like, basically mm-hmm. I mean, this is a little dated because during the, or after the financial crisis, they bought a ton of bonds and they basically flooded the whole money with system, flooded the whole system with money sorry, not enough coffee today or like in the world. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but so that regardless, like they, they control the cost of borrowing money overnight, which basically echoes all the way out into the cost of borrowing money for like 30 years. So it's like your Mm -hmm. mortgage, Mm -hmm. uh, car payments, credit card rates, kind of, even though credit card rates are always like 20% regardless. Um, <laughs> yeah, they'll never bring them down. Once they decided that all credit cards would just be like 27% like interest rates, they're, they're never bringing them down. That yeah. used to be crazy high. I don't understand. But yeah, interest rates, short-term rates, short-term borrowing costs going up for sure this year. And it's kind of interesting because right before the pandemic, um, the Fed basically said like, 
you've had slow growth, falling labor. Sh- they didn't mm-hmm. say falling labor share because they're like, oh, we don't think about that. But that's basically what it means um, mm-hmm. for decades, like since the financial crisis, yeah. for sure. Um, and so they're saying like, we we care a lot more about maximum employment. And like at that time, nobody knew what maximum employment meant. It could have been like everyone who wants a job has a job. You know, it could be that like people who thought they didn't want jobs before all of a sudden want jobs. Um, And like, that's not something they really cared about. Like central banks traditionally just freak out about inflation. Yeah. Um, They've been kind of like monetarists in posture in the past. Yes. Yeah. Then, Um, then like maybe more Keynesian, which it seemed like it was trending into maybe a more kind of progressive posture perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, inflation is really bad for, creditors for people who lend Mm. money you end up getting less money back in like dollar terms or or in inflation adjusted dollar terms so like they were really freaked out about inflation all the time because all of the people who have the most input into what they do and who talk to central bankers and policymakers the most are tend to be people with money who lend money like creditors capital etc so in in layman's terms i'm a guy i'm a loan shark right? AKA a bankster. And I'm loaning out money left and right. Uh, I loan a guy a a huge amount of money. Inflation starts rising. So when he pays me back, I actually don't get enough money. I'm getting less money back in, in, in basically in terms of what the money's worth. Yeah. Yeah. So like the money that you end up getting back is like just gets you less in general and so that's bad for you like especially bad Mm -hmm. for you and the fed and even global central bankers the ecb are like have traditionally been super super worried about that not so worried about employment because they're like well (laughs) if wages aren't going up that fast then inflation won't go up that fast and like hey we can have i think somebody pretty smart called it a reserve army of the unemployed yeah (laughs) keep wages down (laughs) And, uh, that, I mean, a lot of fed policy in effect was just maintaining the correct size in their view of that army. Right, right, right. So you yeah. yeah, you mentioned that up until, or since the financial crisis, inflation had been what, like two, 3%, I mean, under 2%, it like wasn't even crisis. Yeah. Coming out, it was like one and a half. Yeah. There's like really, really low growth happening. I mean, even so much that people call it like the long depression, basically, because it was this kind of just like low profitability, low stagnation. Um, That level of inflation is not, I mean, inflation isn't necessarily, you don't want high inflation, but you also don't really want low inflation, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because then why would you spend your money or like try to invest it in anything that like has takes a little more risk. If you can just like stash your money in the bond market and get a guaranteed principal back, guaranteed interest mm-hmm. rates, like why would you then like build anything with your money, I guess? Right. Um, right. So they want enough inflation to get people to like take risks. Um, and so that just wasn't around. Um, and I think around the time of the pandemic, but even before the pandemic, I think, it seemed like the Fed had realized, like, oh, shit, if no one is getting raises, if no one has any bargaining power, like, we're sort of stuck in this low inflation, low growth kind of loop. 
um, because like people don't have any money to like buy anything with, you know? Um, and so again, it's still from like, you know, the federal reserves perspective, which is like the bank's perspective and small business owners perspective. But like things were so grew so slowly for so long. They were like, okay, forget this, like, you know, natural, they call it like a natural rate of unemployment, which mm. is like, you know, you need unemployment to just be a, a certain force level. of nature. Yeah. Right. That's <laughs> <laughs> just magic. Like gravity. Like gravity. Yeah. Yeah. I guess yeah. Both are fake. But yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, the, um, so yeah, so they were like, basically had that view. And then again, right before the pandemic, they were like, maybe that's not so good because, you know, like shit's also getting a little real with like civil unrest. And like when people don't have jobs, that's Mm. bad, you know, like they're, it's interesting because it, you know, the Fed likes to pretend that they operate in a political vacuum, but they definitely don't. Right. No, of course not. I think part of the reason they did that initial turnaround, which, you know, we'll see how long that lasts uh, or maybe it isn't lasting. But I think the reason they were like, oh, we want people to have jobs is because they were a little freaked out about what would happen if growth stayed low forever Mm, in terms of like, you know, political unrest and stuff like that. So last year when the Fed, I mean, a lot of people have been kind of um, spooking about inflation talk, mostly from the kind of usual suspects, I would say, of the kind of like monetarist gold buggy style um, last year who were like, oh, my God, all that QE, we're going to get inflation. It's going to be great. Kind of the same old thing that you hear, right? And the Fed's response last year was basically like, it's transitory, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. It's going to, you know, it'll it'll peak and then it'll resolve and it'll be fine. And everyone kind of like laughed at them, blah, 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 whatever. And then, and it, but it really, you know, they, they really stuck to this line basically until last week. And the numbers came out, like I said, uh, January. So December's kind of uh, uh, CPI was at 7%, which I think was what, 0.5% higher than the month prior which is just like it seemed much higher than anyone anticipated with that jump. And it will probably trend higher in the next couple months. And it seems like it just spooked them into completely reversing their position. Yeah, all of a sudden they're like, oh, we think that we're at maximum employment, which is very funny because like Mm. we're still not even really fully open, right? Like, you know, the pandemic is still having an effect on the economy. Like teachers are getting in droves, like – I mean, I guess. Well, yeah, real disposable income in the U.S. and in the euro zone is already negative. Yeah. Like, it's already back to being negative. So this idea that everyone has all this money that they're just, like, spending everywhere is not true. Yeah. And, like, it's because you can sort of see it, right? Like, there was a good, like, actual fiscal response to the pandemic. You know, like, people did get money. The problem is Mm -hmm. that, like they spent it (laughs) and I mean, it's not a problem to spend it, but like now it's not there anymore. So like you Mm -hmm. had this like really, really big short term, like inflationary impulse, they call it like, it sounds really jargony, but basically like things were pretty good for a lot of people. And then, you know, prices started going up 
And then the government was like, oh, shit, we got to stop doing all of this. So, like, not only did, like, Build Back Better not pass or, like, any other sort of big spending programs pass from the fiscal side, Mm. uh, the monetary side, too, they're like, oh, remember us being so worried about maximum employment and whether people are employed? Okay, well, we think, like, the fun is over, basically. Like, you know, people are getting raises and they've been, they've said, like, you know, wage inflation is here. So we're just going to like start raising rates. And that raises a lot of really interesting questions. Cause then it's like, are you trying to slow down economic growth potentially, you know, going too far because the fed can cause recessions and has, mm. um, mm. just to make sure people don't get raises. Like, mm. It's a little, you know, you start thinking from a certain light and, you know, one that's backed up by a lot of history and just facts. It's like, okay, so like workers have too much power now, basically. So you're saying, okay, that's Mm -hmm. enough. Like we've decided this is maximum employment. So, you know, fun times are over. Yeah, you sent me... um actually friend of the pod, Joe Wiesenthal from Bloomberg, he tweeted something out this morning. I sent this to you, Brace, too. It's crazy. That uh, someone, this is like someone telling the Dallas Fed that we basically need uh, another recession so that workers, this is from Joe, learn to appreciate the value of a good job. This is the actual quote. I suspect the workforce pulls its head out of its rear when a correction or recession makes jobs scarce and people start to feel the pain or fear of not providing for their family and loved ones. But like, okay, that is an insane comment and particularly egregious. But like, I'm confused because like a lot of people are already feeling that crunch. You know, like rents are going up like insane. The housing market itself is completely and totally... Um, inflated. That has also, I mean, you see that then pass over into rents as well. And like so many people moved out of kind of the, the really expensive cities, right? Like the big city centers, New York, San Francisco, Seattle, when the pandemic hit and went to these kind of like second or third tier cities like Phoenix, Tampa, Atlanta, sorry, Atlanta, third tier, second tier, Denver, all second those tier. kinds of, it's second tier. Yeah. Atlanta, second tier. Come on. Um, but so you're seeing like insane uh, like rental increases in, you know, in a place like Tampa where, by the way, it's like is not a dense city and doesn't have that history. And so a lot of like old timey rental protections are just non-existent. So landlords can raise rents like 30 percent or something completely and totally insane. And when, you know, we mentioned that, you know, wages are rising, but they're still nowhere near the kind of historical, like decades long trend upward in prices that we've seen. They're just not in line. They haven't been rising in line with that since like the 80s. Everyone knows that. So this idea that suddenly there's all this worker power or suddenly there's all this, um, you know, wages are so high that the central bank can basically slow the economy down, which we should talk about what that actually looks like, um, just seems really, uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty shocked that they're actually doing it, to be honest, or that they caved. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And it's so weird because, like, you know, you have also, you have also, like, this, you know, 
group of maybe middle-class people who are like, oh, I made a ton of money in markets. And then people are like, oh, Mm. it's the Fed's fault for inflating the asset bubble. And I'm not sure that's legitimate either. Like, Mm. you know, people just were inside a lot of the time and wanted to gamble on something and sports weren't happening. So like, then they got pulled into markets, right? Like that's, I mean, it's almost Mm. mechanical, but I got pulled into apes, but understand. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a little different because it's like actually like kind of an art project. Not really like a, but I, I understand what you're. I understand what you're, you're saying. Totally. Yeah. You're just attacking the dollar and the Fed and everything, right? With the NFTs and crypto, and mm-hmm. it's weird because, like, on one hand, it's like it's so weird that the Fed is just like, okay, like, never mind this whole thing about how we want employment to be really strong. We take it back. You know, mm. after some guy at the Dallas Fed who's like a used car dealership owner is like, man, my wage slaves have to like, or like peons really have to like, you know, act more responsibly and come to work and like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, yeah, it's just funny because the Fed seems to have totally caved to, you know, the, the small business owners who are like, they basically make money because their workers are willing to work way too long for not enough mm-hmm. money. Sorry. My baby also thinks it's horrifying. Clearly <laughs> she's like, ah. um, so like now she's really, right. Totally. Right. Now she, <laughs> it's just like, these are the people who are talking to the Dallas fed and being like, this has to stop. And these are the people who are talking to the regional fed banks. And then, the bankers are talking to the New York Fed and being like, you know, this is this is enough, right? And so the Fed is just like, okay, I guess you guys are right, and sort of turning all around. Um, but then on the other hand, you have the people who are like, you know, Bitcoin maximal maximalists who are like, oh, we can't have uh, the dollar at all. Like, you know, mm. oh, screw the Fed. Actually, this is just all funny money, and that fiat isn't real, and we should go back to a digital gold standard which is basically what Bitcoin and Bitcoin is like basically just like gold, but online. Yeah. Okay. This is actually, you're making it sound good, but (laughs) (laughs) no, we don't want that. (laughs) We, so we, we don't like, we don't like gold. We're the first civilization (laughs) in human history. We don't like, okay. Noted. Noted. Uh, It's, uh, it's a whole like way to, I mean, like we want some inflation and gold is like <laughs> no inflation ever. Actually, let's have yeah. a giant recession just all the because time. we all, yeah, constantly just because we like a uh, shiny metal. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of like, you know, that's from the employment angle. I think that's, that's, you know, one kind of facet of this. The other facet, you know, the Fed basically has to walk a pretty little, like kind of like a tightrope dance, right? They have, or walk a tightrope. You know what I'm saying? Walk, mm-hmm. walk, they, they have to dance and or walk on a tightrope. How about, about this? They're dancing on a damn tightrope up there. There we go. I love it. Um, where, you know, they also don't want to raise interest. They can't raise interest rates too much or too quickly because that would spook the bond market which we've talked with you about the kind of like zombie phenomenon. And a lot of people have been talking about this for a long time. Everyone keeps waiting. Brace always makes fun of me because he thinks that I always say there's going to be a recession or there's going to be like a crash, which, you know, I don't always say it. Yeah. If you name one time you haven't said it and I'll be satisfied. Yesterday. 
I meant when we're talking. You did oh. literally say this to me yesterday <laughs> when we were talking about this episode. Okay, so but so people have been talking. People love to bring up the topic and the like specter of the zombie companies and basically, you know, the Fed raising interest rates too quickly would mean that the uh, corporate debt, like servicing corporate debt, would become very expensive. And if it becomes very expensive, then people are going to choose to if the you know, the debt's too high, the debt doesn't get paid, right? And then you're going to start seeing, you know, this is what people say, a wave of bankruptcies. There's a wave of bankruptcies that triggers a real deeper kind of scarring in the economy and so on and so forth. So, like, is that really something that could happen? I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, for, like, lower quality companies, um, mm. and by that I mean just, like, companies with more debt, Um I mean, absolutely. Right. Like that's. Yeah. And the funny thing is like with such high levels of corporate debt, like even better companies or like not better, but like less indebted companies with higher credit quality. I mean, they're going to have to choose again between wages and interest costs. Like that's Mm -hmm. sort of how the whole thing works. Right. Like we don't, it's not like we really have any public sector employment. So like all of it goes through the corporate sector and if companies have like a certain amount of interest costs every year, they're like, Oh, well, looks like we got to cut some of the salespeople that, you know, aren't really pulling their weight. You know, like it, once cash becomes more scarce like that, and once it becomes scarce enough and that's sort of like how it's supposed to work, like (laughs) the fed knows that they're doing this. Right. But the thing is Mm -hmm. that if you raise it high enough, then you start to really have problems in financial markets because there's a ton of corporate debt Um, and it's funny because like, I've had friends who also cover this market be like, oh, there's just a lot of it. There's just a lot of debt. Okay. Like whatever, how boring, but it's, it's not boring because it's like being used in so many different ways. And it's in so many Mm. different forms, like structured products, which sounds really esoteric, but like, you know, the, this I, mortgage-backed securities like aren't a problem right now, but like corporate mm-hmm. debt-backed securities is like a mm-hmm. massive market, and like insurers <laughs> hold them, pension funds mm-hmm. hold them, like a lot of a lot of big institutions that like we kind of count on, um, or at least like a lot of Americans count on. Like I don't have the pension, but like a lot of people do. Sure. Um, like. They are in these markets, right? And if you have defaults, if you have giant losses, then like not only do you get the pressure on the corporate side, you get the pressure on the big institutional side too. Right. And then, you know, they sell maybe and then prices go down even more. Like it it just, Mm -hmm. and I think that's why the Fed at the beginning of the pandemic intervened so intensely in the corporate debt market because like they know it's really big, right? And they know that if like, you know, dominoes start falling, then things Mm -hmm. could get a little ugly. And I, you know, I don't even know how ugly it could get, but I'm also not sure that they're actually going to raise rates that fast, you know? So that's the thing. That's, that's what I'm really curious about because everyone just come out and said, um, you know, oh, it's going to be 25 basis points four times over the year. And then I think it was like, I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was like BMP came out and was like, it's going to be 50. And everyone's like, whoa. And then like that seems completely and totally insane. And now people are kind of coming out and they're like, well, maybe it could be like half a percentage point. 
which is like, then not even going to really do anything at all with the hopes being that as the kind of supply, um, supply and, and demand crises and, and mostly supply crunches like kind of kink themselves out that a lot of the price pressures come down naturally. And so the Fed would basically be doing what it had said it was going to do last year. They just are doing a little bit of a spin room to kind of like calm down some of their more like, you know, buggy um, critics. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's funny because like guys in finance who like manage like corporate bonds like none of Mm. them believe that the fed is going to raise like five times this year as again raising five times this year would be a lot and then like they're expected to raise four times on top of that and like they can only go so far before a massive sell-off happens (laughs) before things start the wheels start coming off uh or of the corporate debt complex and like the fed doesn't want that so like they're sort of like okay well like Maybe it's three times this year, you know, but mm. then, and, you know, again, like you said, like the GDP report um, that just came out, I think last week, like there are some signs under the hood there um, that maybe like growth looked really good in the GDP report, but uh, under the hood of the GDP report, um, there was a really big inventory buildup. And like inventories are sort of what we're having mm. trouble with right now, right? Like there's just not like enough literal stuff. inventories. Yeah, like literal inventories. Um, so that sort of shows that inflation could actually fall on its own, and maybe the businesses are adjusting. Mm-hmm. And so you know the Fed's going to be like, oh, we're doing everything we can to whip inflation, so our all of our constituencies don't get pissed off at us, and then mm-hmm. you know inflation comes down say like all of the shortages and supply chain screw ups sort of work themselves out you know the fed can be like oh look what we did you know right i mean that seems to be it's funny because it's like every time powell comes out it's like this weird kind of like oracle on the mount you know where he just like comes out and then there's like a whole complex of bankers and investors and reporters and you know, everyone in between analysts and, um, you know, financial sector people, whatever, there to like divine answers from what the Fed, like even just like the way he says things, they'll be like, oh, did you see the, you know, the twinkle in his left eye? That means that it's like, it's like tomorrow's, it is tomorrow's Groundhog Day. And that's like basically what they do with when Powell comes out to speak. And so much, and it's not like he doesn't know that. It's not like the Fed doesn't know that. I, I, you know, the point you brought up about it not being a political, you know, it likes to not be this political institution. It's like the entire thing it does is political, like all the way through institutionally, but also the way when it just comes out to do these kind of like um, these little shows for everyone where um, just the enough of a show might be enough to just calm markets, which is such a crazy thing to wrap your head around. We joke about money being fake. And we joke about these things being fake. But recently there's been this whole kind of wave of uh, think pieces that are kind of like stonery in a weird way where they're like, what if just talking about inflation is what brings about inflation or <laughs> whatever. And it's all kind of sort of, it feels like it's all kind of one thing, if that makes sense. Um, 
So I can definitely see him coming out and being like, we got this, don't worry about it. And then it's like, you know, half a percentage point increase and inflation starts falling and the roof doesn't, you know, collapse for now. Although, you know, there's other things kind of perhaps wrong about the world economy heading into 2022. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's totally right. And um, it's funny too, because they were like really big on transparency with this Fed. They were like, oh, we, you know, J-Pow isn't Greenspan. So Greenspan used to like not talk at all. And everyone was Mm. just obsessed with like, oh, what's he going to do? How many commas Mm. are in this sentence? Like really crazy shit. (laughs) And like, this is, they're almost talking so much that it's turning into the same thing. Mm. It's just like, a lot more stuff for people to parse and ridiculous and, and sort of weird ways. But I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's legit because the thing is that like the alternative, if they're like, Oh no, wages going up too fast. That's bad for, you know, that's bad for our people. And then they raise rates like seven times this year. Bank of America says it's going to be seven, which is. That's insane. There's no way. (laughs) Well, what, what would that, what would that end up looking like? Uh, Or what would the results of that probably be? Markets, I mean, it would be a recession, I think. Um, If not this year, then next. Um, Mm -hmm. Not to be, not to be like stealing like Liz's, uh, Liz's line here, but like (laughs) it really, I mean, debt costs can only go up so much before things start looking bad again. Um, Mm -hmm. And I mean, the housing market is pretty good. Um, like you said, like rent costs are going up, um, housing costs are going up. Um, but I, it's just hard to know like how they actually control the economy other than just causing layoffs. Yeah. And the thing is that like, if there are mass layoffs, like that leads to a recession generally. So, and, you know, it's, I've been wondering about this myself. I have to look into it a little bit more, but this sort of like worker shortage that everyone's so freaked out about, um, you know, I think a decent amount of it, like there's childcare, which is an issue, uh, obviously in like schools and stuff. But on top of that, there are also retirements. So Mm -hmm. it could just be that like a lot of the, a lot of the people who retired during the pandemic just like aren't coming back, which They got their gold watch and they're just spending the rest of their lives looking at it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they have pensions. Well, so much of that is related to the rise in housing prices. I mean, if everyone, if like so many Americans hold their wealth in real estate and the market goes through the roof, that plus, you know, the insane stock market could have been really good for a lot of people holding a lot of stuff. I mean, you get the chance to retire. Everyone's going work from home or jobs aren't coming back or whatever. It seems to make a lot more sense. I mean, it makes more sense than not, in my opinion. And then the question is, like, are, you know, interest rate costs related layoffs really the way to, like, adjust to that? You know, like, Mm. there's, like, a certain amount of capacity that you need to fill and a certain amount of demand you're going to need to fill regardless. So, like, why wouldn't – I just don't – I mean, it seems like – what they actually have to affect it is like, okay, well, like, let's make sure everyone has less money by like causing a sell off in the stock market, fewer people have jobs, and that, you know, housing prices like 
people don't have as much wealth in their homes, which like on one hand, it would be nice if like people could buy a house, but on the other, it just seems like such a blunt instrument. Mm. They all want to return to normal, but they want that normal to be the long depression of the yeah. 2010s. <laughs> I just don't know if we can go back there, you know, after a decade, like, I don't think people are going to put up with that type of environment for much longer. I agree. So, ladies, let me ask one final question here. Say you had a friend who you really trusted who told you maybe that there was a sound investment um, that Elon Musk was pumping pretty heavily and that maybe you went, quote, all in uh, on a certain canine-based online uh, digital currency. Um, Is that now not looking like the dumbest move because the, quote, real markets are also doing bad and quote, real money is also maybe not worth uh, as much as it was when you got it, perchance? Oh, man. There's some good charts. What are you doing if you have a bunch of money in the bank, if not holding, even though it's losing value, which is the same thing that people get mad at maybe dog coin uh, (laughs) holders for doing? Because like, isn't real money just dog coin anyways? Except you can spend it. What is the difference? If Dogcoin had nukes, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Don't, don't, you know, don't dare Elon because he'll do it. (laughs) Oh, God. Well, thank you so much, Alex. We got to have you on more now that um, you're back. It's so nice. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, so what you ladies are saying is that um, it's bad for me to have my money in apes, but it's bad for me to just have my money in general, too. (laughs) Yeah, basically. What should people do with money? They should subscribe to my new premium feed where I will let them know. (laughs) Your new new, uh, financial sub stack? Can you imagine? Oh, my God. Yeah, I would never do a sub. No, yeah. I no, I'm not doing that. Liz is doing Can a progressive. Imagine? Liz is doing a progressive sex advice substack. <laughs> <laughs> um, that would be a good scam. Yeah, I, guess. I don't know. I have to like work through some of my. I have some predictions for this year, but I don't know if I want to say them on the podcast. My whole thing is that every time I pass by an ATM, I take out twenty dollars and then I keep it somewhere. That's not a bad idea. It's honestly, I, I listen. I don't know if listen. So then you just like t- find money, and you're like, "Hey, there's twenty bucks." No, I keep it all in the same place. Well, I keep it oh. in a few different places, hidden around. Um, you have you have the biggest wall. Your wallet is like you know how people always make fun. They're just like, "Oh my god, you know, you keep all these receipts, but your wallet's so fat." Whatever. That's like that's like yeah. classic trope. 
male trope, male type trope. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brace is like that, but he has just a wad of cash there at all times. I got times. like little dollar bills. Yeah, people, it's it's the most insane thing in the world because people, every time I take out my wallet, I do not have, it's not like I have a lot of money. It'll be like $80, but in like $5 bills and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. people always be like, why do you have so much money in there? It's a wallet, moron. What the fuck do you, what, where but, do you keep your money? To be fair, well, I keep it in the market, but- to be fair, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, you keep a t- ton of receipts in there too. Like it is yes. fatter than usual. It in looks case like- I need to return something, or in case I need it for taxes. Yes. Oh my god, it looks I like keep a big receipts fat in there. Cheeseburger. Yeah, it's uh, oh the thing that everyone hates: the cheeseburger, the most <laughs> no- the notoriously disgusting cheeseburger that people despise. If I pulled a damn cheeseburger out of my pocket, everyone would be looking at me like I was a fucking hero. Here's the thing. That would I be do so ke- gross. I do keep. I do keep. I have always kept most of my money in cash. That's because I've gotten paid most of my life in cash. Yeah, and so I just have it. Um, I think it's a good habit. It's a great habit. Yeah. Everyone. Here's the thing. Everyone always like everyone who's smarter than me about money. Which, as if listening to this and previous financial episodes, yeah, I don't know how money works. Not my problem. We're going back to the year zero. It- <laughs> If you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> we're doing the killing fields again. No, but it's uh so but like everyone's like, oh the market. I don't I don't I don't got any money in the market, but guess what? I'm never I'm never getting wiped out like everybody else. Because yeah. my money is always locked either in a weird thing hidden in my room or hidden in a bunch of different records. Yeah. Yeah. Or the all Which, the gold bars you invested in. I do have some gold, yes. <laughs> And here's the thing. If society ever breaks down and people are like, ah, I need to buy seven wives. I'll be like, uh, you can't buy mine, sir. I have plenty of gold that I stole when I slept over at girls' houses when I was 20. Oh, my God. Because every time you sleep with like a like a, a woman, steal some of her jewelry. <laughs> That's how that- <laughs> That's, that's how you how, get and stay rich. That's how you get and stay rich. Because people are always like, oh, I need gla- you need glass. Okay, I guess I have glasses and you don't. But like money shit's fake. You can just take it from other people oh without them God. noticing. This is terrible right, advice. Oh, shit. We forgot. We didn't say. This is not investment advice. This is investment advice. Oh, my God. What do you? I literally just said steal jewelry from women. <laughs> that's investment advice. That's a good investment. Zero money down. I'm Liz. My name is Brace, chairman of the bed. And uh, we have, of course, us <laughs> here. so awful. Producer Young Chomsky, and the podcast is called Truanon. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>